Okay, I think it's working. So, uh, one thing I want to talk about before we get going is uh, the perception of God. People have different perceptions, you see, and we tend to argue about it, you know, because that's the way we are. My team can beat your team. My army can beat your army, you know. I'll arm wrestle you to see which one, you see. I'm right, you're wrong. We have a tendency in the material world to do that. The material world is upside down and backwards from the spiritual world. We do things the wrong way. In the spiritual world, things are done correctly, you see. So we have a tendency to say, I want to lord it over. I want to be right and want to prove you wrong, you see. So we have a tendency to disagree, to disagree about the concept that we have of God, you see. So uh, one uh, concept is that God is uh, the universal energy, you know, the, the energy that uh, pervades everything. And at the time of death, if we perfect uh, ourselves to a certain way, we go back uh, to that energy and we become merged into that energy. It's kind of like some people identify that energy as light. You see? There's a Sanskrit word for that. It's called the Brahma Jyoti. Dazzling effulgence. It's a bright light. You see? Uh, so, uh, for the purpose of, of just investigating that, <coughs> is that perfect liberation? You see? I'm not going to say it's not available because it is. It's real. You can actually have that kind of liberation. But let's say for the sake of argument, let's say you got it. You got that. You perfected your uh, practices, your life uh, in this planet. And at the time of death, you could go back and, and join into that universal energy. Uh, what do you think you would get when you got there? What's there? What does it offer? Mm -hmm. Any suggestions? Mm -hmm. Some people say peace. 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 You know, in Sanskrit that's called shanti. Peace. So everybody wants peace. But once you get peace, once you have absolute peace, then what? Then what? What's next? Happiness? Then what? Yeah, then what? You see? So, um, you can see by just analyzing that that may not be, although it is a form of liberation, it may not be the, the one that's absolutely satisfying. You see? So, um, what I like to point out to people is that, well, whereas that is a possible way of liberation, there are other forms of liberation as well, you see. So, if this Godhead, we all believe in God, right? Okay, the Supreme Godhead, whatever it may be, okay? If there is God, it's got to be unlimited, right? God means no limits. The one you can't place any limits on. Uh, the source of everything, that from which everything emanates. Right? Unlimited. God is lacking nothing. God has everything. Can't deny God anything, right? 
So if we can't deny God anything, we certainly cannot deny him a personality and a form. He, since he is unlimited, he is this unmanifest version that we just talked about, the universal energy. He is that. But he's unlimited. So he has form, personality, and desires. There's things that he wants. Now the difference between him and us is he gets everything he wants. <laughs> Sometimes we desire, we don't know what to desire, so we don't, thankfully, we don't always get our desires. Generally we will, but we don't always. So, so God has a form. Uh, so there are different types of liberation. You know, you can have liberation into a situation that you can associate with this supreme personality, uh, the supreme personality. You see, God has a personality. He has a supreme personality. God has unlimited forms because you can't put any limits on him. He has unlimited names. You can't put any limits on his names. Huh? So uh, one that he likes a great deal is, uh, and the reason why he likes it is because it's very flattering to call him Krishna. Krishna is a very beautiful word that means all attractive, most wonderful one, you see. It's the kind of thing when you call God Krishna, he kind of reacts by saying, oh really, do you really think so? You know, it's like saying you're the most beautiful, you're the most wonderful, you're the most attractive, you know. So it's, it's flattering to him, he likes that. Although he doesn't need to be flattered, but he likes it, he likes a loving exchange. So. I have to drink a little water, I've got a dry throat, so pardon me if my voice comes and goes. So, um, now as far as choosing a destination, you know, people want to know, uh, while I'm practicing this form of uh, yoga, I'm practicing this religion, I do this or I do that. And sometimes I ask people as I travel around, I say, uh, just like we were talking before, well, what's it going to give you? What do you get? You know, and they sometimes they say, "Well, I go to heaven." Okay, then what? What do you do? What's the what's the what's the attractive feature there? You know, sometimes people say, "Well, I want to go merge into that bright light, the Brahman Jyoti." You know, just like we talked. Okay, what does it give you? What do you get? So before we choose a destination. We have to figure out what we want. You know, it's just like if someone came in to you, a good friend, and said, Hey, let's go on a trip. Let's take a trip this weekend. You're off, I'm off. Let's go on a, let's take a holiday. What's the first thing you'd think of? Let's go somewhere. Where? Um, where? Yeah, it's a great idea. But why? Where? So, before we figure out where, we have to figure out, well, what do we want? You know, do we want surf, sun, and sea, beach? Oh, maybe Miami, Honolulu. I mean, we've got different choices there. If you want uh, snow and skiing, perhaps Vail, you see. If you want to party all night long and go to shows and gamble, Las Vegas, you see. So, depending on what you want, 
What your desire is, is how you choose your destination. It's not intelligent to start off on a destination and not know what you're going to get when you get there. You see? Although sometimes people do that. If you see a whole bunch of people, all your friends are, are going someplace, they're all going down the street, you may go, you just may tag along with them. You know? Chatting and having some fun as you go. And Sooner or later you might say, oh, hey, by the way, where are we going? <laughs> you know? I mean, wherever you guys are going, I want to go because you're fun. I like being with you, but uh, my curiosity's got the best of me. Where are we going? You see? So, uh, we need to figure out what it is we want as far as the afterlife. Because you have a lot of choices. You have unlimited choices. So one of the things most people in this day and age don't have so much of a realization of, and that's my job, is to tell you something that's available. And that's the association of the personality of God, Krishna. You see? Now the word God doesn't mean a whole lot, really, because uh, God is unlimited. So when you say God, some people might wonder, well, which part of him are you talking about? He's, he's, got, he's unlimited. He has all these different manifestations. Are you talking about the bright light? You know, are you talking about somebody that I need to really be, you know, on my toes around, on reverence? You know, every time he walks by, I, I bow... You know, because there is that personality of God. He's unlimited, you see. Or is it this personality called Krishna? A lot of people don't realize. Uh, this, uh, this Krishna is the uh, source of all sources of God. He is the supreme personality. It's personality that he likes. Now, he has all kinds, and he likes them all. But his favorite is that of Krishna. And I'll tell you why. Uh, in this form of Krishna, he is um, not necessarily worshipped by awe and reverence. Krishna is not turned on by awe and reverence. He doesn't really need that. He doesn't, he doesn't have an ego problem. He's not jealous. You know, One thing is, there's a, a, in, in Vrindavan, India, <coughs> a little village out about 90 miles uh, southeast of Delhi. There's uh, this one temple there, the Krishna Balaram Temple. And there's the deity of Krishna, the carved form of Krishna, and his, uh, his older brother Balaram. And this deity of Krishna is so beautiful because he's standing there holding a flute and he's got his hand kind of on his hip like this. And he's got this attitude like, hi there, I'm Krishna. <laughs> You know, like, he's got confidence. I'm Krishna. I'm the most beautiful. I'm the most attractive. You know, if you associate with me, you'll never want to associate with anybody. You'll never want to be away from me. Now, it's not that he's all up inside himself, but he knows who he is. He knows he's all attractive. So he's got this uh, peaceful, confident attitude, you see, so, uh, what does this Krishna want? He has these desires I was talking about. What does he want? All the other forms have their different desires. But Krishna's got one very special desire, that if we feed that desire, we can actually, uh, it's hard to 
uh, imagine, but we can actually control him. You can actually control him. Does anybody know what that desire is that he has? What does he want more than anything? He wants you to love him. And he's thinking, if you get around me, you can't help it. I'm Krishna. I'm the greatest. So, that's what he likes. He likes to have this loving exchange. You see. Not on reverence. No fear. Because if there's fear, there can't be true love. Full love, you see. Can't be fear. There can't even really be respect. If you think about it. Respect will kind of slow down your ability to fully love. Fully love it. You see. You can love, uh, you can love so much that, you don't, that respect is just a given. You see. That's not even an issue. You see. For the sake of uh, just talking, uh, what about anger and hatred, which we see a lot of? Ah, yeah. Those are things that we manifest. In Bhagavad Gita, uh, anger, <coughs> excuse me, anger comes, it says that anger comes from unfulfilled material desires. That's the source of anger. It's a, it's a material thing. It's not a spiritual quality. It's like I want, um, uh, I want fame, or I want profit, I want money, or I want to be adored, or I want to be, I want to be seen as, a, as distinguished. That's what I want. I want fame, profit, adoration, distinction. Those are the four motivating uh, items in the material world. That's why we do things. We either want wealth, fame, to be adored, or to be distinguished. I'm special, more special than the rest of you, you see. That's, those are material. Now, when I'm denied those, I might come get a little angry. Because I'm thinking, wait, wait a minute. Why aren't you recognizing how great I am? Oh, you're against me. You see how the mind some, can sometimes work? We start thinking, you know, I think you're out to get me. Surely you know that I'm great. You know, or I'm this or I'm that. Or I may want, um, I may want money. And I'm thinking, well, my, my boss doesn't treat me properly. He's, he's denying me my money that I want. Whatever. Some um, material desire that we have. And if I don't get it, I, I become angry. You see, sometimes this anger is expressed. Sometimes the anger is turned inward, which leads to depression. Depression is anger that's bottled up and kept inside. You see, so it's a uh, uh, hatred is something that uh, uh, goes along with my material desires. I hate you because you're in my way. You know, I want this or I want that, and you're in my way. You know, so much I have today and so much I will have tomorrow. He is my enemy and I must kill him to take what I need from him. In the name of God and King, I shall kill you and take your land and your riches. You see, that's been done before, hasn't it? 
many times. <laughs> you see? So, it's like that. So these are material emotions. By the way, if anybody has any questions, I don't have anything <coughs> fixed. Not now. I'm just, I'm just kidding. Loosen up. <laughs> Please, ask it, any questions you want. Mentioning the desires that Krishna has, what exempts him from the inherent unhappiness of desire? Oh, that's an excellent question. That's a deep question. <coughs> um, because he's Krishna, he knows. And he also knows a few things that we don't know. Well, we actually do know, but it's covered over right now. We are eternal living entities, you see. We don't come into existence, and we don't go out of existence. So Krishna says in Bhagavad Gita, he tells Arjuna, one of the things that Arjuna wanted to know was about life. And Krishna says, never was there a time that you did not exist. Never will there be a time in the future when you'll cease to be. You're unborn, undying, primeval. You cannot be, uh, you, he said, you're not, you cannot be withered by the wind, moistened by the by water, pierced by an arrow, you are eternal, you see. So, how can you say that? You know, I'm getting older and weaker every day because I'm a soul inside this body, you see. I'm not this body. We are not these bodies. See, so everybody, pretty much everybody believes, except maybe some atheists, believe that they have a soul. A higher understanding is that I am a soul. I'm not a body that has a soul. I'm a soul that has a body. I've had millions of bodies. And I, may, I might have millions after this one. I can't be killed, but I'll transmigrate to another body based on my desires at the time of death and my accrued karma. That's what determines my next uh, body whether it be that of a human, animal, whatever. Whether I be rich, famous, poor, whatever. Sick, healthy, our activities. In the Bible it says, as you sow, so shall you reap. You see, we also believe that what goes around comes around. You've heard that one? That's the law of karma. For every action, there's an equivalent reaction. That's the scientific. Who was that? Newton. That was Newton then developed that, I think, or Einstein. Einstein was a big fan of Bhagavad Gita. He read it every day. It's amazing. Uh, um, it's for people who want all the answers or just a few answers. Einstein wanted them all, so he read it over and over and over for 35 years. Couldn't get enough of it, you know. He, loves, he loved answers, you see. So, uh, since we're eternal, we come from a place that's eternal. Uh, let's call it the spiritual world, Krishna's abode. Okay, so when we decide that we that we're going to leave Krishna's abode and go on this journey through the material world, we're looking for different things. We're just seeing, well, what's there? You see, I wonder what it would be like to to maybe enjoy on my own, separate from God separate from Krishna. I just want to check it out. I'm not rebellious or anything, or mean or nasty. And Krishna doesn't get mad. He says, oh, 
Is that what you like? I can arrange that. And so you leave and you go on this journey, life after life, birth after birth, experience after experience, trying to squeeze some enjoyment out of this material world. And sometimes it seems like you're doing pretty good. And then you realize, wait a minute, that wasn't so great after all. And then sometimes it seems like you're doing really rotten. It seems, life just seems horrible. And then you realize, well, it really wasn't that bad after all. It's, you know, there's just, uh, there's an old song, old rock and roll song, can't get no satisfaction. You know, we get close, but it's just never. There's always something. There's got to be something better. You see, artists have written about that for centuries. You know, there's got to be something better. You see, some people uh, may live a short life and, and uh, their desires may not have time to uh, mature. But typically as we grow older, we want more. You see, wealth isn't enough. If it was enough, Bill Gates would have quit a long time ago. You know, $65 billion? I mean, if, if wealth could answer all the desires, then he would have disappeared 20, 30 years ago. We would, never, we would know where he is. He would have taken his money, bought an island, and just be there enjoying he wouldn't need us or to go to work every day or to worry about the stock prices. Or Why does he do that? Because it's not enough. $65 is not enough. But maybe $100 billion might be. You know? I was the richest man in the world, but then Warren Buffett came along. You know? Got to do that guy. I liked being the number one. So maybe 100 Maybe 150. That's it. 150 billion. Once I get 150 billion, I'm just going to quit and enjoy. Where are these people? There are so many billionaires in the world. What? How many islands have been bought up by these people? It doesn't work like that. I get it. I want more because that didn't satisfy me. Got close, but I, you know, not really there. You see. So we're traveling in this, this trip in the material world, and let's say we're gone a uh, hundred billion years. Okay? Now in the scope of eternity, a hundred billion years isn't even a nanosecond. You see what I mean? You're an eternal living entity. So Krishna doesn't get upset. He knows, well, in the scope in the scope of reality, you're not going to be gone that long. And again, I default to my original statement. He knows he's Krishna. You know, his feeling is, come on, you can't resist me. There's nothing else as great as me. I mean, he doesn't have to brag. It just is. He's the most beautiful. He's the most attractive. You see, and he knows that. So if you want to take a little nanosecond trip for a hundred billion years to the material world trying to find some enjoyment, he doesn't get upset. He doesn't get jealous. He knows you'll be back and it won't be long. You know, even if it were a trillion years in the scope of eternity, it's almost like it didn't even happen. You see, it's so quick.
Time confuses us in this material world. It's one of the things that exists here that doesn't exist in the spiritual world. You know, we're confused by it. It's like an illusory thing that we see. If you could, um, uh, this scientist uh, Stephen Hawking, do you know him? He was saying that if you could, <clears throat> if you could take time and, and fast forward it, if we could speed up what we're seeing, we could see the mountains. These mountains, that, you know, that mountain on the city out there that has the over the city has the star on it. You know, if we could fast forward fast enough, we could see that mountain wear down to nothing. It's happening right now. This building is turning into rubble right now. But we're confused by time. We can't tell it. You see, diamonds are disintegrating. But we think they're forever. They're going away. This whole uh, material cosmos is like a river of uh, atoms that's just flowing and changing form. But we don't know that because... We don't, we're, we're uh, kind of held prisoner by this concept of time we can't see, you know. That's why sometimes, you know, when we look in the mirror, when I look in the mirror sometimes I have to do a double take. I think, wow, who is this old person? You know, it seems like it was just a little while ago. It was a middle-aged person, you know. Boy, it sure goes by quick. I remember one day... Uh, my son called me. Uh, he said, Dad. And I turned around. You know, and I realized he was as tall as I am. But I was looking down, you know. And I had this thought, wow, where did that go? I mean, I remember all of it. But boy, you know, it seems like it was just not so long ago. You see? So we're confused by time. You see, it, it is real, but uh, it's as real as this material world is. And I ask you, how real is something that's temporary? You see, if you won the lottery, and then let's say you won $50 million, you won tonight, you know, you pick it up tomorrow, but you have to give it back next Friday. Whoopee, you know. <laughs> I, I get it, but it, it just fades. That's, that's not so attractive, you see. And then you can go around telling people, hey, I won the lottery one time. No, you know, how come you're not rich? Well, I had to give it back. Well, I don't know if you won the lottery. You, you might even start thinking, did I really? You see? I have to silence my phone. Somebody's sending me. I'm sorry. I apologize. Let me turn it down. So you see what I mean? Something that's temporary, what's the value of it? So this real, this material world is certainly real, but it's temporary. Being that it's temporary, uh, what's, the, what's the value of it? You see? It's always changing. It has a duration. In the spiritual world, uh, the only change is that things keep growing. It's unlimited, but it keeps getting more. And every moment, 
that you could experience in the <coughs> spiritual world, everything you possibly could experience is all happening at the same time. And you can experience whatever. So it's unlimited experiences, pastimes with Krishna. Plus, being that it's unlimited, it's always increasing. You see. And, it, and nothing happened and went away. At the same time, um, you can visit, you can live, you can experience all experiences. So we're very uh, conditioned by the laws of the material world. You see, it distorts our thinking. It it prevents us from thinking uh, clearly. You see, that's the purpose of uh, meetings like this, so that we can come together and and cut through the illusion. You know, it helps us to think in terms of reality. You see, what's really happening? Am I dying? No, your body's dying. You'll live. You'll live on. You see. So, what an intelligent person, uh, let's say, spiritually intelligent, it doesn't mind you that if if you don't have uh, the desire to know what is my next birth, what's what's hap- going to happen to me later, doesn't mean you're not intelligent. It means you're not spirit. You don't have spiritual intelligence, or let's say, spiritual inquisitiveness. You know. Uh, but that's very important. So many times I get people that say to me, do you believe in uh, past life regression? Some people find it very interesting. You know, you know I had a young lady the other night that told me that uh, she had been told she was a princess in her previous lifetime. You see? And wanted to know if I knew anything about mine. I said, no, I don't. And, and I'm, I'm really not interested. You know, it might be interesting. It, it, you know, it might be interesting conversation. But I'm really concerned on where I'm heading. You see. Uh, maybe next time I can look back at this life. But I'm concerned about where I'm going. You see. De- death is, is, is certain for every body that takes uh, birth in this material world. Death is certain. So, uh, <clears throat> what will happen to me after this? Not really, no. Um, there's a prayer that I say every day. It's Om Gyanat Tamarindasya Gyananjana Shalakaya Chakshur Unmilitam Jainatashmai Sri Gurave Namaha. In English, it's saying, I was born in the darkness of ignorance. You see, I knew nothing about spiritual life. I was born in the darkness of ignorance. But my spiritual master, my guru, Open my eyes with the torchlight of knowledge. So I offer my humble obeisances unto him. Now this is a picture of my guru here. See, He, uh, just as we're talking here, he opened my eyes. You know, you're not a body. You're an eternal living entity. You see. I think that this, uh, for me it's important to remember past life because uh, you can remember your lesson, your life lessons. Yeah, I think it could help. Mm-hmm. However, um, 
let's look at it this way. Let's try and your let's, let's say you're trying your find, to find your way to to uh, Dallas, but you don't know. You've never been, and you've been wandering around for a long time. So you could stop and say, "All right, let me analyze where I've been." You know, I was on this highway that took me to Albuquerque. Then I wound up here. Then I went. Then I went west, and that took me to Tucson. And well, I'm back here. So I know the mistakes that I've made, but I don't. I still don't know exactly what the next step is. But I know what not to do. You see, and then along comes someone who knows, and says, "My dear child, go this way, east on I-10." And bear left on I-20, it'll take you right to Dallas. You say, well, that's great. So now I know. Going forward, see, going forward, I know how to move forward. So I think there might be, I don't want to say positively, there's no value at all. <clears throat> but uh, I became so excited on the path forward that it, it's, uh, it didn't, have any attraction for me to look where I've been? So, um, for me, it's important because uh, sometimes it allows you to to take some decisions in your in your life in this uh, time. What's well, like committing mistakes and learning from them? Yes, because uh, exactly because, for example, I um, since I was a little girl, I was remembering many things, and then. Um, when I uh, when I meet a, a person uh, and then uh, to take decisions in my life, it was very um, important mm -hmm. to remember what was the the, the past lesson, life lesson. Yeah. And then to avoid to to go to the same. To not make the same mistakes day. twice. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, if you find. Uh, a proper guru, a bona fide guru. Guru means spiritual teacher. Uh, he can actually do that. It's nice to remember. I touched the stove, it was hot, and it burned. It's nice to know that. Uh, we're talking about, what, what is, there's a term for that, learning from, uh, oh, the school of hard knocks. I'm learning from my mistakes, you see. And that's good, because once you learn you know, when you touch the stove and it burns you, you, you know the stove's hot, you see. Mm -hmm. um, so I think there is value to, to that. Mm -hmm. um, but going forward, if we have uh, the mercy of the pure devotee who knows the way, who's, who can see and can tell you, this is how you... Mm -hmm. Someone who, he, uh, one thing that my guru did for me is he let me know what's available. You know, you can have a relationship with Krishna, a loving relationship. What he wants is you to love him. That's all he wants. Now, <clears throat> he's supreme in everything, so he's supremely, uh, let's call it, uh, possessive. How much of your love do you think he wants? He wants all of it. He wants every fiber of your being. He wants all your thoughts all of your words, all of your actions. That's what he wants. Because he loves you. You see. One thing that we don't understand because we, we're wrapped up in this material world, and we, we obey the laws of the material world. We believe in 
that the laws that govern these bodies govern the soul too, you see. But uh, in this world, um, you can only have one favorite. You know, what's your favorite TV show? Well, you can't name five. I'm asking you for your favorite. You see what I mean? So you, you got to pick one that you like best. Uh, but God isn't limited by these material laws. You can ask him, who is your favorite living, living entity? And he'll say, you. You. You don't even have any competition. You're absolutely my favorite. And then you can ask him the same question. He can say, well, you. And because he's Krishna, it can be true. Every one of you. Every living entity is absolutely his favorite. He can't, he can't bring himself to think of anything else. He loves you. That He's not asking for something that he's not giving. You see? Yeah. What about um, <clears throat> the animal kingdom, though? Like, what about animals, like cats, dogs? Yeah. Animals? What about that? There are 8,400,000 species of life. Uh, which indicates, and 400,000 of those, according to the Vedas, 400,000 of those species of life are humanoid. Mm -hmm. Now, there aren't 400,000 species of human on this planet. So, according to the Vedas, there are human beings throughout the cosmos, on other planets. But there are 8,400,000 species of life. That means there are 8,400,000 different desires that we may have. You see, we, we take these bodies because of our desires. We have a strong desire in karma. Karma, I have some uh, reward or punishment coming, you see. So therefore, now, let me give you <clears throat> some examples. This may be a little crude, but it's the best way to explain it. So I apologize in advance. I hope I don't offend anybody. But let's say that someone uh, is... Uh, their, their, their chief desire in life, their main driving desire is to have sex. Yeah, you're just talking about every single teenager in high school. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just sex life. I, uh, yeah, I want other things, but boy, more than anything, I want sex. The human body is not a good body for it to have that desire. That's good to know. It's not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. The human, the, the senses of the human being, even though we think we're so, we dominate, and we do, but it's not because of our senses. An eagle can read uh, the headline of a newspaper from a mile away. A, a dog can smell 90 times greater, which means his taste is also greater. Hearing. Animals can outhear us. Their sense of feel is more... Their senses are much greater than ours. Mm -hmm. You see, we're limited by our senses. Mm -hmm. So if you want, for instance, a, a, a pigeon. A pigeon can have sex once every ten minutes. <laughs> Any time of year. It doesn't have to buy a ring. There's no dinner and a movie. They don't have to get a room. There's no child support. No marriage, no divorce. And, you know, and nobody thinks badly of him. His mother doesn't say, look at you, you've impregnated five women this week. Oh, I, 
<laughs> you know? There's no disgrace. Yeah, There's no disgrace. You see what I mean? It's a perfect body if you want to have unlimited sex. Now some people say, yeah, but I don't know if pigeons enjoy sex as much as we do. Well, we've already established the animal senses are greater than ours. You know, logic tells me they enjoy it more. You know? I mean, look at how, how crazy dogs are. You know, when there's a dog in heat and you see a male dog, I mean, he'll, he'll risk his life. In India, they catch uh, a male elephant. They find a, a female elephant in heat. And he'll come after her. You see? That's the only way they can catch. He's so powerful. But, but then, you know, he'll, and he'll fall in a pit. They dig a pit. He loses his, his ability to think clearly. He's crazed by it, just by the smell. You see, he can tell. So if we want to, for instance, uh, there, there are many different bodies if we analyze the animal kingdom. And you can see how they enjoy on these different levels according to their desire in their past life. You see? Can you imagine if you had a body, uh, what kind of body would it be like if you had a body that you could have your favorite food, your absolute favorite, anytime you wanted to, by simply opening your mouth? All you had to do, anytime, just open your mouth. Huh? Be a plant. <laughs> I've seen bodies like these. <laughs> and then go have sex it with it with anybody you want. You see, in India they have the this um, uh, the sewers in in most places. Uh, they're not in tubes like here, buried under the ground. You have a ditch. You know, and when somebody flushes the toilet, you have water running through there. You know, when you go into a store, you step over this ditch, and there's raw sewage. Just so happens that the body of a hog, his favorite stool, and I've seen them, I've watched them many times, uh, they like to eat stool. Hogs like to eat stool. So sometimes it may be over 100 degrees in India, 120 degrees. So the hogs like to get down into these uh, trenches, these ditches, there's cool water running over them, and all they have to do is open their mouth and they can eat as much as they want of their favorite food. Oh. Sounds horrible for us. Yeah. To the hog, it's hog heaven. <laughs> you see? So, animal bodies are there for us to carry out our desires. It's not a punishment. Put the word out of my mouth. Right? Yeah, not a <laughs> it's, what, it's what we want. At the time of death, the sum total of your desires determines your next birth. So this Krishna consciousness, God consciousness, is really a process of purifying our desires. What do I really want? Do I want to ch chase after so much uh, attempt at desire or at enjoying this material world? <clears throat> do I want to go on trying to squeeze some enjoyment? out of this material world? Or have I had enough? And do I want real true enjoyment? Permanent enjoyment? You say, I want something better. So therefore I start looking for a destination. 
I figure out what is it that I want. You know, do I want? I, in other words, it's like we were talking before. You know, if you get nirvana, if you get shanti, peace, now what? You can, I've played that with people, and they keep saying, "All right, uh, happiness." And then, and then what? Okay, uh, intelligence. Okay, and then what? What we're looking for is that situation to where there is nothing more. If I said to you, okay, you've got that, now what? You say, oh, I've got everything. There's nothing else I could possibly want. That is Krishna. He's the most attractive. He's the satisfier of all desires. Simply by glancing at him, he's so beautiful. He's so attractive. You see, just to hear his voice and his manner of speaking in such a way with love, confidence. So you've got everything, shelter, beauty. You're, you're completely gratified, completely satisfied, wanting nothing because you're in the presence uh, of, uh, of Krishna, God, you see. Does that make any sense? So how do we get this guy? You know, how do we get this Krishna? You offer a loving devotional service. When you love somebody, you want to do something for them, don't you? You know? It's the first reaction. When you have, when you realize love in your heart for somebody, first thing you think of is, Oh, I, I, need to, I just want to do something. I want to gratify you somehow. Because you've been pleased by loving that person. So now I want to gratify. So how can I please you, you think? So we're wondering, Krishna, my dear Lord, you're the sweetest. What can I do for you? It's kind of a difficult situation because he doesn't need anything. He's complete. Anything that emanates from him is also complete. He doesn't need anything. Talk about the guy that has everything. You know. So we can't satisfy his needs, but we can satisfy his desires. He wants you to love him. That's what he really likes. He likes to be loved. In exchanging, I love you, but... He wants the kind of love that, that um, we here talked about in this material world, but we rarely ever see. Unconditional love. No strings attached. You see. I'm not expecting anything. It's not like, well, you know, my dear Lord, I'll love you, but, you know, I'm kind of hoping that maybe you'll make me rich. You know, that'd be nice. I mean, if you love me back, you want to do for me, maybe you'll make me rich, you know. Maybe a little fame. Huh? Maybe I can play the guitar better than Jimi Hendrix. How about that, God? I'll love you if you could give me, give me some stuff here. Give me my daily bread. Give me, give me, give me. You see? I'll love you. But what's in it for me? You see? Most love in the material world is tainted that way. You know? Someone may say, I love you because you're... I love you. Why? Oh, you're so beautiful. Oh, so I please your senses. Now our ego may make us feel like, oh, I please your senses. Huh? What if we think, well, wait a minute. What if I stop pleasing your senses? Does the love go away? 
How about when, I, when I'm 50? You know, and you see somebody 20. It's not really attractive, you know, it's not unconditional love, you see. When someone says, why do you love me? Do you know what the only real answer should be if it's true love? I just do. How could I not? I don't have a reason. I'm sorry, you know. I don't know what to tell you. I just love you. Well, I don't love you. Well, that's not part of the bargain. You don't have to. Didn't stop me from loving you. Oh. You see, unconditional love. That's what Krishna really loves. Unconditional love. I love you, my Lord. He says, well, what can I do for you? I don't need anything. I have you. I've got you. I've got everything. And that's all you want. That's all I want. I just want you. You are everything. And if I have you, there's no way I'm going to desire fame or profit, or adoration, distinction, a new Mercedes. You know? Your beauty and your love is greater than everything. I just want you. And Krishna says, oh, that's the right answer. Because you're what I want. Yeah, put it there, buddy. You know? You know? Welcome home, he says. Welcome home. So you've been through this wonderful trip through the material world and you tried to enjoy here and tried to enjoy there. And now you're back. You came back to me. I knew you would. Welcome home. You know. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you for your time. Okay, thank you for yours. Oh, here. Thank you very much. We have I got a different one. Take that one too. Yeah, we're All good. right. See ya. You guys taking off? Thank you so much for coming. Thank you very much. Here, come and come and get one of these. One for you and one for her. Did you get did you get one of these? Uh no, I didn't. Awesome. Okay. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Read that and uh, next time I see you I'm gonna give you a quiz. Thank you. No, I'm just kidding. I'll be here Tuesday night, next week at five. And Sunday at the uh, right here. Sunday, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sixteen twenty nine Montana. What's the name of the? Yeah, you know of it. Yeah, well, right, I trade there too. Yeah, well, I'll see you there Sunday if you can make it. Yeah. What will be the topic this Sunday? Huh? What will be the topic this Sunday? Continuing the uh, the perfection of yoga. Uh, I'm gonna. I'm going to read from the 12th chapter of Bhagavad Gita. Uh, what does Krishna ask for? Ask uh, of us. It's going to be an interesting discussion. It's it's going to be something that you're not expecting. What does he ask? You know, most people think God makes all these demands. So what does he really ask? And that's what we're going to talk about on Sunday. I think you'll find it interesting. I hope you can come. So I think it's probably time to wrap it up. You guys ready to wrap it up? Want to have a little cure time? Yes. I know you do. All right, thank you all for coming. <laughs>